Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. Uh, I think reveal and show you something of a pattern that Jesus models through the Bible of how you and I can adopt a rhythm for our lives that if we can understand it and get it into our DNA and our makeup, actually is the way he's designed us to operate. Now, we're going into the summer period. For many of you, your rhythm is going to change. For some of you, you're into holiday season already. I go away tomorrow morning. Give me a quick wave of a hand if you have got a holiday booked over the next couple of weeks. Few of you, great stuff, fantastic, and hopefully a few of you got a few days off work, etc. So rhythm. Let's let's look at this. The Bible, de- um, the uh, dictionary definition of the word rhythm is this. It will come up on screen. It says this: a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound, a systematic arrangement of musical sounds, principally according to duration or periodical stress, or finally a regular, recurring sequence of events. Or processes. So the word rhythm itself is often used for a musical piece, a uh, musical language, um, but it actually really defers to the way of um, movement, things like that. So we're going to create some rhythm in the room. So this side of the room over here, you're going to become the bass drum of my rhythm machine. We've got Chris here who played drums this morning, and top, we've got our two drummers on this side. You have got all the hope on this side of the room. All right, okay. <laughs> So you can establish it for us. So you're going to do, we're going to count it for one, two, three. And you're just going to stamp for me. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Just here. One, three, four. Great. This side of the room, you're going to do the alternate. This time, clap. So this side of the room. Paul's looking engaged. Good man. Good stuff. And this middle section, you're just going to do eight. And it's going to be like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, Alison's clapping. The rest of us are scraping. Ah, there you go. (laughs) Got a drum machine going. Fantastic. Great stuff. Fantastic. Well done. Great. So everything has a rhythm to it. I don't know if you know this, but the planets have a rhythm to it. The earth, as it rotates and spins, has a rhythm to it. The tides have a rhythm to them twice a day, in and out, in and out, regular. Your body has a rhythm to it. Your heart right now has a particular rhythmic beat to it. For those of you who are healthy, you should be at rest now, and your heartbeat should be between what we call 60 beats a minute, in other words, every second, and 100 beats a minute. In other words, a couple close to every second. If it's faster than that, go and see a doctor. If it's slower than that, you're a highly trained athlete. Well done. (laughs) Your breathing has a rhythm to it. I don't know if you've ever laid in bed at night and reflected on your own breathing. Your breathing has a rhythm to it. The Bible, for me, teaches about rhythm, and we're going to go there now. We're going to go to a passage all about Jesus, and this is a moment of time when Jesus is setting for us a rhythm of life and ministry that if you, you and I can adopt it, if we can bring it into our world, I think everything begins to make more sense. So we're going to go to what's called the Gospel of Luke, okay? So this is written by a guy called Luke, and this is a story about Jesus, It's an account of Jesus' life, and we're going to Luke chapter 6. And this moment of time is when Jesus is choosing his disciples. 
He actually names them apostles. He's choosing those who are going to be his closest friends and those who are walking with it. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 12, and it's going to come up on the screen. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them whom he designated apostles. And then for the next few verses, it names those disciples that he choose, chose. Then we go on to verse 17. He went down with them, and he stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. We're going to leave it there today. I believe that this passage that we've read this morning shows us three rhythms that if you and I can bring them into our lives and adopt them, actually everything begins to make sense. You might want to just write these down and reflect on them as you read this passage again during the week. The first rhythm is this, the rhythm of communion. Or, in the language of a life, the rhythm of knowing, the rhythm of communion. So, the word communion, all of our words today, when we talk about rhythm, are going to begin with that prefix com, C-O-M. And that literally means with and together. Okay, so we've got something here that is a word that says with and together, and then part is union. And union here means the action of joining one thing to another, oneness or unity. So in the first verse of what we've read today, verse 12, it says this, one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. I'm going to call that communion. We've shared in the meal that we call communion today. The real act of communion is joining something together, communing together, spending time together. And here we see Jesus modeling a pattern of behavior, a rhythm of life that is about spending time with God. It starts with this phrase, one of those days. So the way this gospel is written here at this moment of time, Luke is basically pulling out a moment of time. It might have been in chronological order, but it might not have been. Okay, so it might have happened straight after the bit that we've read before. Or this might just be a moment that Luke is reflecting upon. And it says this, that Jesus went to the mountainside to pray. So for the Jews in that moment of time, there were often places of prayer dotted alongside rivers or dotted in the mountainside, and there'd have been little huts or chapels, and they wouldn't have had a roof on them. So and they would have been devoted and dedicated places to go to pray. And Jesus went to one of these, possibly here, overnight and spent the whole night in prayer. Interestingly, the language here means this. He spent the night in the prayer of God. So what that literally means is that this was a very uh, heightened and uh, extraordinary and sublime devotion. So there's Jesus dedicating a period of time overnight to communion, prayer with the Father. So if Jesus models a rhythm of communion, and you'll notice if you ever read the Gospels, in other words, the good news accounts of Jesus, you'll notice that Jesus often takes himself away to pray. He might have been ministering, he might have been out with his disciples, and he'll take him away, he'll take himself away to pray, to commune with his Father. And if he models that, I believe from even more so for you and I that we need to adopt that rhythm in our lives. So here's a massive caveat over this whole section. If you get something from this, that's brilliant. 
If not, I am listening to these words at all times and trying to adopt them in my own life. This is not an area I get right all the time. In fact, it's an area I get right rarely because my life is often a mixture of activity rather than resting in God. So rhythm is made up, I think, predominantly of two things. The first thing is pulse. When I was um, learning to play piano, uh, I went to my piano teacher and she had one of these on the top of the piano. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know what one of these is, this is a metronome. A metronome gives us a steady, regular rhythm or a pulse. It's something in musicality that allows us to stay on the beat. Our drummers here will note uh, what a metronome is. It allows them to practice to a regular pulse. This is an analog version. And we've set that, I think that's 80 beats a minute. So that's a little bit quicker than the ticking of your watch. And for me, this reminded me in life that actually there are pulse things in our life. There are things that are pulses for you and I to bring in that brings discipline. I use this as a discipline when I was practicing scales. So I would practice scales at that tempo. And then I'd practice scales at a much quicker tempo. And for us, there are disciplines in our life that have a pulse to them. For many of you, you have a particular pulse in your life at the beginning of the day. You wake up at a similar time, Monday to Friday. You perhaps do the same things there and then. Maybe it's have a shower straight away. Maybe it's then go and get your breakfast. Maybe it's then go and get into the car, go to work. Your pulse might be that. It might be something completely different. Often for those who enter into retirement phase, your pulse changes at the beginning of the day. I believe God gives us some spiritual pulses in our life as well, things that are disciplines that can help us get this rhythm of life. For me, I've begun to adopt some of these in my life, Bible reading every day, reading his word, allowing his word to speak to me. It becomes a pulse in my life. Communication with the Father, in other words, prayer, having a chat with God. For me, that's a pulse in my life. I pray throughout the day and I designate morning and evening times of reflection and prayer. I also believe that Sundays is a pulse in my life. For me and my family, we've decided we will be in the gathering of his people every Sunday. It's a pulse in my life because I know that I'm designed to be in the community of faith. And I know for many of you, you've adopted that same practice. For many of you, connect groups are a pulse. There are something that week in, week out, they're a gift from God to allow you to build a rhythm of communion with God. But the interesting thing that accompanies pulse is what in musical terms we would call rest now this morning we had a great band who led us in worship this morning and at many times they were playing they were making musical sound but at other times they were resting and as I was learning to play piano and I was a trombonist in an orchestra um, I don't ever play it ever any anymore it was we lived in a flat when we were first married trying to play a trombone in a flat don't go particularly well with your neighbors but um, we, uh, when I was playing in an orchestra, uh, we would uh, learn what it was to play and what it was to rest. You see, if an orchestra all plays all at the same time for the whole duration of the concerto or the symphony or whatever they're playing, it's just noise. It's just like... Um, it's just too intense all the way. So music has rest built into it. Uh, we'll throw a couple of those um, musical terms up on the screen if we can, Matt. 
Fantastic. So here we've got some musical rests. If you remember back to your um, school, if you ever did music, these are the sort of things that probably leave you kind of shaking, going unless you really liked music. On the left-hand side of the screen here, we've got what we call crotchet rests. These are rests. You know when we did that one, two, three, four? Each one of those was a crotchet. Okay, so they are short rests. They're designed in music to allow people to breathe. I would interpret that in life that every single part of our day needs the ability for us to breathe in it. Needs a space, a moment of time built into a day when you can breathe. For some of you, that will be the evening where you actually begin to rest from the day. You can reflect and you can breathe. For some of you, that might be in the middle of your day. You take a lunch break and you go for a walk and you actually enjoy creation and you breathe in God. But rest of short periods of time each day is so important for us. Then we move over to the second section uh, where it's got the two blocks sitting on the line. They're called minim rests. They're slightly longer periods of time. For me, that's about sleep. Okay, we all need good sleep. Jesus designed it for us. God made it for us. We're designed to work and rest. It's built into the rhythm of creation. You and I are designed to work and rest. Now, on the right-hand side, we've got called a semi-breathe rest. So that's a more even longer period of rest. For me, that is what I would call Sabbath. And this is the area that I don't get right. I've only begun to adopt this into my own life and my own practice this year. The word Sabbath is designed by God to give us a period of rest every single week. If you're anything like me, I am, I would say, uh, I teeter on the brink of workaholic. If you're anything like me and you get your energy and um, uh, the spark from work and activity, Sabbath is an area that you need to begin to learn to adopt into the rhythm of your life. Because otherwise, if you don't bring Sabbath in, you end up burnt out. And Jesus didn't design us to be people that were constantly on the go. If God needed to rest in creation, then we need to rest as well. But as a trombonist, I used to see the next one loads. So... (laughs) This is what we call six bars of rest. If any of you are in education or a teacher in any way, shape or form, you are going into six bars of rest in the next weeks. You have got an elongated period of time of rest. This for me is called holiday. This is time off away from the pressure of the thing that you're currently facing. It's a rest period. It's a time to recharge and breathe. God designed us to have elongated periods of rest. So pulse and rest. So I've said to you, I don't get this right at all. Uh, And it's absolutely true. The beginning of this year, I felt really challenged around all of this area of work and rest. So I asked myself some questions. I got a great book to help me and I started to write and read some questions over myself. And I started to do a couple of things. The first one was this. What do I currently do that nurtures my spirit? So what things are currently built into the very fabric of who I am that nurture who I am? And if I, if I find rest in those things, can I do more of them? Uh, so for me, music is one of those things. I play piano, I play a bit of guitar, uh, I sing, all that sort of stuff. I find that that nurtures me. I find it allows me to breathe God in those moments of time. So I've tried to adopt that more in. For others of you, it'll be different things. Some of you, it'll be sciences. Some of you, it'll be sports. Some of you, it'll be um, maths. No, why would it be maths? That's crazy. For some, (laughs) art. Let's go, yeah, it'll be art. Okay, for some, it'll be a whole variety of things. But find those things, discover the God-given shape for you and build patterns of that into your life. 
The second thing for me, what people, places, and activities do I need to avoid because they deplete me? There will be things in all of our lives that actually drain you and rob you of rest. And um, it's the design of God, really, to minimize those. And um, if I've... um, blanked you in any way please it's not because of that okay I'm not trying to do you're not depleting me and you're not no it's not Um, and the third question I asked was this what have to's impact my rhythm in this season of life so for me my children are have to's that impact the rhythm of my season of life I have to be there for my children for some of you in retirement your have to's look different some of you perhaps you've got elderly parents that that need you and you your rhythm requires your care of those so there are some things that impact your rhythm and your rest period and this led me to something called a rule of life and I am working on this Um, if you want to take a picture of it please do if you want to begin to adopt these sort of things please uh, do so for me this um, let's go on a couple if we can please Uh, next one and next one Great. Let's leave that out. So I'm in four areas of my life, and this is my personal one, okay? I have adopted some practices to give me a rhythm. One is prayer, one is rest, one is relationships, and one is work. And in each four of those areas, I know that I receive the love of God, and I can give the love of God in those areas if I get the rhythm right. So in the rest area, I've decided that I get a rest from exercise. So running, cycling actually brings rest to my body I know that I engage well after doing those things for me I discovered that actually I need to go to the beach the beach is a great thing for me to receive rest in prayer there are areas where I receive the love of God in my life and I've decided to adopt those in so things like the weekly sabbath things like daily worship in relationships there are places where I receive the love of God and there are places where I give the love of God and if I invest in those more that I know that I am being who God has designed me to be in those environments and the same with work when I first did this my work one just kept going outside of the box so I decided there were some things I need to give up and there were some things I need to start handing over and handing on and as I've been doing this there are two bible passages that I've gone back to we just very briefly saw one of them there Mark chapter 6 verse 31 says this come with me by yourselves this is Jesus speaking to his disciples to a quiet place and get some rest I knew that I had to start doing that he was saying that to his friends so he's saying that to me and the second one was this you might know this but this is from the message translation of the bible this is Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 to 13 it says this come to me Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I've had to discover some of that, and I am discovering it this year. And um, I believe that Jesus models to us in this Luke uh, chapter 6 passage a rhythm of communion, that if he's doing it, we should be looking to do it as well. And for me, that's about pulse and rest. The second rhythm that I think Jesus models to us is a rhythm of community, or in our language across a life, a rhythm of growing. 
rhythm of community. So again, the com um, prefix there means with and together. So this whole sense of doing something together. And then the unity, very similar to union, of course, the state or property of being one, oneness, sameness, agreement. Let's move on in our passage then. So verse 13, it says this, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles. And then it goes on to name them. So I want you to understand the context here. Jesus has been up the mountain for a night in praying and he comes down the mountain and he chooses from his wider body of disciples, the 12 who he's going to invest in most predominantly over the next three years of his life. This is his training ground. I'm so grateful for the decision that Jesus made on that mountain that night because you and I are sat here today because of those 12 people he chose and the, and the path that he began to walk by making that decision. He chose to invest in 12 people, build a community, live life with them, that actually the fruit of that you and I in this room who know Jesus have been brought into a relationship with him. Community for Jesus became his legacy. His disciples, the body of people that he walked with and worked with, became everything that the church has now become. They were the starting point for that. Now, of course, Jesus is the son of God. He didn't, in his, um, in his divinity... He didn't need to do everything with other humans. He didn't need the support of a community. But in his humanity, as the man, he really did. Let's just go on a little bit in our story of Jesus. If you remember uh, the Garden of Gethsemane in that Passion Week, as he's there facing the biggest decision that he has to take of the decision of the cross, he really calls upon his three closest friends and he calls them for support and encouragement. He calls them to pray with him. He calls them to keep watch with him. If Jesus is modeling community, how much more so for you and I do we need one another? Do we need a rhythm of community? I don't know what you think about when you think about Alive Newark. I don't know whether you think about coming to a service. I don't know whether you think about your connect group. But I want you to begin to think about the word community of faith. We are the body of Christ here in Newark as part of obviously the wider body across this town. But we really are a community of faith. We stand together in the tough times. We celebrate with one another in the moments of celebration. We walk with one another when people are struggling and we walk with one another when things are going well. We resolve differences. We sort things out together. We walk life and listen to one another and learn from each other. And actually we grow together. We are a community of faith. And if Jesus needs a community around him, so do you and I. We need each other. No longer in our thinking should, should we be those lone rangers? We are called to be people together in community. But then we need a rhythm of community. Jesus had a rhythm of community, and so do we. Do you know every community has a rhythm? A football club has a rhythm. In August, it starts its season again, and then it has a rhythm. It finishes its season April, May time. <laughs> It's like a pantomime. And um, finishes its rhythm there. A school has a rhythm to it. You know, it starts its term in September. It runs hard till Christmas. Starts its term again in January. Runs hard to Easter with exam seasons in it. And then post-Easter, for those who've done exams, the pressure's off a little bit and it starts to become a slightly nicer environment to the end of the term. And then there's that great period of rest. 
churches have a rhythm. We have what we call the Christian calendar. It's a rhythm. Christmas, Easter, Pentecost, they're all moments in our rhythm and our calendar. Alive has a rhythm to it. We have a Sunday rhythm. We have a connect group rhythm. We have periods of time with baptisms and dedications. They're all the rhythm of the life of the church. For, for Alive, our rhythm has periods of um, high energy. September to Christmas, often in Alive, is a high energy, high tempo rhythm. We, we kind of like, we go again in September. This period of time, it's a little bit more relaxed. You know, we get great things like picnics and that sort of stuff, which is about building community at the end of services. For many of us, we understand that the one event is part of our annual rhythm. At the end of August, if you've not yet ever been, can I encourage you on that final weekend in August to come and experience it? It's like a live Newark on um, uh, extra energy. I'm trying to think of a better way of saying it. It's like um, seven or 8,000 people strong doing what we do in a live Newark uh, on a showground, under canvas. Um, if it's... Um, sunny, it's brilliant. If it's raining, it's still brilliant, but just slightly different. Um, so come and experience it. And you can either come for the Sunday or come for the whole weekend. And it'll be amazing to be a part of that and build that into our rhythm, big periods of celebration and time. So let's be a community that has a rhythm to it. And can I say, if you're trying out a live Newark, why don't you begin to discover the rhythm discover the rhythm of this community that rhythm might start for you on Sundays can I encourage you to adopt other bits of the rhythm of this location into your life try out a connect group try out some of our social things try out some of our prayer things come along and adopt the rhythm because actually it's that that actually will sustain us in our Christian walk as we grow together and the final rhythm that Jesus models to us, I actually think is one of the key principles for all of us. If we can begin to see these three rhythms working in partnership together, we will discover a new way of life that will allow us to move into all that God has for us. And it's this, the rhythm of commission, or in our language, the rhythm of going. So again, the word commission, beginning of that word means with and together. So in other words, we're doing something as community together. But then the mission bit says this, it means to release to let go, to send or to throw. It means authority entrusted to someone, delegated authority or power. You see, we're not designed solely for time with God, time with one another. We're designed to be a body on mission together, actually doing something together. We are designed as the body of Christ to have an outlet, something that overflows from us. So Jesus has a rhythm of mission. If you note in the next few verses, it says this, verse 17 to 18. He went down with them. So they went down the side of the mountain and he stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from a whole variety of places were there with him. And they came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. And this is what happens. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. You see, if Jesus had just come down the mountain and chosen his disciples and then they'd gone off and had Nando's together, they really wouldn't have stepped into the full set of principles that God wants to model for you and I. You see, it's brilliant to spend time together. It's amazing. It's brilliant to do picnics. It's incredible. But there has to then be another 
outlet for us. And that's about you and I being on mission together. Jesus had a rhythm of mission. So therefore, you and I need to adopt and understand what the rhythm of mission looks like. An author that I've read a few books from, a guy called Mike Breen, says this. The church really should be a family on mission together. It's the mission of God. The Latin for it is missio dei, the mission of God that we're engaged in. And actually, you can read about it in Matthew chapter 28. It's called the Great Commission. It's the final instructions, really, from Jesus to us, the body of Christ, that says, this is what I now want you to do. It says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I love that because Jesus isn't just talking to those professional Christians. He's not talking to people solely like me who are employed by the church to do some of this stuff. He's talking to each and every one of us, the body of Christ. It's just your mission field might look different to mine. My mission field looks like equipping the teams across alive and equipping you guys with some of the truth of the gospel to be empowered to go to your mission field. You see, I'm not going to be in your work environment tomorrow morning. I'm not going to be in the place of schooling in September. I'm not going to be in the place that God's calling you into, but you are. But I want you to understand you're not going into that place on your own. You go actually with the strength of this community. And what does it look like to make disciples in that place? What does it look like to be somebody who goes and makes disciples? Well, for you, it will look different to me. But I remember when I was a teacher and I was in a primary school and um, I remember sitting around the staff room table and one of the other staff members came in and she just said, my daughter, who was, I suppose, I don't know, 15, 16 at the time, has had a diagnosis. And at that moment of time, without any thought, I just said, can I pray for you? And I didn't know what her response would be at all in that moment of time. But in that moment, she said, yes, please. Now, that was a doorway into a discipleship moment. Now, I can't say that that person's now become a Christian. I can't now say that that person is now walking with Jesus. But it was a faithfulness to the word of God over my life, a belief in the power of God, and actually a belief that he will minister into this situation. It may look like praying for your colleagues. It may look like coming alongside and actually speaking out some of the principles of the gospel into your workplace. It might look like living with a set of values and ideals that can draw people to Jesus Christ. Um, so where has God placed you on your mission field? Where's he placed you to make disciples? Where are you uniquely at to make disciples? Where no one else is. No one else is ministering into that place, but you. He's empowered you to be there. So Jesus models to us a mission together in community. What does that look like for you? If you're a person whose mission field is into business, if you're a person whose mission field is into the NHS, what does it look like for you to do that in community? Who are your friends in that? Is that your connect group? Are you saying to your connect group, will you pray for me this week because I've got an important meeting this week and I'd love the wisdom of God to speak to me? Are you praying, are you asking your connect group to sta stand with you in this particular area where you can do life together? Maybe you need to um, draw other 
friends around who know Christ around that particular thing. So in your nursery, are there others who can pray into that nursery from the church here? Are there others who can pray into your businesses? Are there other people who can stand with you and say, do you know what? I know it's lonely in that place, but we're with you. Are there people that we can gather together from across the church and even wider? So Jesus models to us three rhythms. And if we can begin to adopt them into our lives, I think we'll begin to step into a whole new way of living. I just want to show you a little diagram. Can we go to the one that's got the triangle on it? Fantastic. So the way that Jesus models this to us is actually about these three rhythms working together. And I know personally that it's rare that I get this right. I know personally that I get this often round the wrong way. Often I start with the mission stuff, doing the stuff for God, then realize I'm getting tired, so I need some friends around me. So I go back to, let's do it in community. And then after that, I realize I'm still tired because actually I haven't gone to commune with the Father. And I get the rhythm round the wrong way. Actually, Jesus models to us the correct rhythm, which is start with communion with the Father, come down the mountain, form community And from that place, go on mission. And if we can begin to understand this as a rhythm in our lives, I actually believe that it will be a transformational thing for each and every one of us. So as we enter summer, as we um, move from this place now, go to picnic uh, and we have time together, I'd love you to reflect on those three rhythms. I'd love you to maybe say, God, where are you challenging me? What area of my life do I need a bit more balance in? Do I need a bit more rest against the pulse of life? Do I need to adopt some pulses? Do I need to get some rhythm into my life? Am I doing life in community? Am I actually spending life with one another? Or do I just attend something? And then thirdly, what actually, where is my mission? What am I doing as an outlet for my uh, Christian faith? Where am I living that out? Because until we get those three things working in partnership, I think none of us will actually be fulfilled in the rhythm that God designs for each and every one of us. Let's um, pray. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here. I thank you for my friends in this house, in this moment of time. And I pray for each and every one of you. If God's spoken to you today in any way about a rhythm, a rhythm in your life that you know, actually, there's a better way for me to live. I pray by the power of the spirit, you'll begin to adopt that. You begin to step into it. You begin to find the freedom of that. Maybe God, this moment is speaking to you about adopting some pulse mechanisms in your life. Pray you'll find the freedom in those things. Maybe God's speaking to you about rest. What does it look like in him to rest? I pray that you'll get a daily rhythm, a weekly Sabbath rhythm. And I pray that you'll have time during the year of holiday and rest periods. I also pray for you as a community of faith, that as you journey life together, God will bind you together. Cords that can't be broken. There'll be unity amongst you that commands the blessing of God. And as you live life as a community of faith in this place, you'll have an incredible outreach and outpouring of that missionally into this town. I pray, oh God, we'll see this, cha- this town transformed because of the body of Christ who understands this rhythm. That can understand that when we adopt this and live in it, it actually reveals your very heart to this town. So I thank you, oh God, for this incredible body of people. And I pray a blessing on each of you. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Church, I'd love to pray one final prayer uh, before we conclude this morning. We pray this each and every week across the life. And this is a prayer that allows every person here to make sure that they've had an opportunity to say, actually, I believe in Jesus. If you've never declared that, I want to give you an opportunity to speak out in this place. I believe in Jesus and I want to decide to follow him today. It's a really simple prayer. It allows us to do a couple of things. It allows us to say, God, I've been going in my own way and I've been getting it wrong. And I decide to turn from doing it my own way and follow you. And then I decide to accept you into my life. I know that many of my friends here this morning have already prayed this prayer at a certain point in their life and are living now in the fruit of that decision. I want anybody who's not yet made that decision to have an opportunity this morning to say that prayer for the very first time. So what we're going to do is we're all going to speak this prayer out. It will come up on the screen. And then following that, we are going to bow our heads. And if any of you have prayed this prayer for the very first time this morning and you want to indicate to me that you are... um, serious about uh, beginning to follow Jesus, I'd love you to raise your hand and uh, one of my friends will bring a book to you and then I'll come and chat with you at the end of the service as well well, about that prayer you've prayed and the decision you've made. So let's read this prayer together. Thank you God for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you Jesus for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I've lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.